0: big or go home right you know what I mean yeah. it's you just you have to take a big swing you just got to take that mm-hmm. risk you have to take that chance you have yeah. to put you have to put yourself out there
1: hi everybody I'm so excited to share my conversation with my friend Rosemary Connors who is an award-winning anchor and reporter for NBC 10 News in Philadelphia if you're in Philadelphia you can watch her live reports weekdays and see her anchoring the weekend mornings Rosemary is 35 years old, married, and from right outside of Philadelphia. She went to the same high school as me, the Academy of Notre Dame in Villanova, where she actually just gave the commencement speech to the graduating seniors on June 1st. She then went on to the University of Pennsylvania, where I also went, so this was a really fun conversation for me, given that Rosemary and I have similar backgrounds. Throughout our conversation, Rosemary tells us all about her journey in the news industry. Her climb to an established news anchor in Philadelphia did not happen overnight, but she has stayed the course over the past 13 years. She started from the very bottom right out of college and dove headfirst into the industry. She began her career in Grand Junction, Colorado, then made a jump to Fort Myers, Florida before making her way back to Philadelphia. We talk about the setbacks, the risks she took, her schedule, and so much more. I hope you enjoy the conversation with Rosemary as much as I did. So welcome, Rosemary, to High Five Success Stories. Thank you for having me. This is really fun that we're doing this. Yeah. Um, I'm excited to have you, not only because you've had an incredible career thus far, but you're also from Philadelphia, and we went to Notre Dame High School together in Villanova, and then Penn as well, so we have a lot in common. You were a little bit older, though, my sister's age. Yes, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's so funny
0: because I didn't realize that you and I had very similar Similar, know, until we started talking and... And right. uh, of course, Notre Dame girls stick together and exactly. Penn girls stick together.
1: Yeah. So I would love for you to give a little bit more background on where you grew up and then maybe touch on, just as so listeners know, you gave the commencement speech in Notre Dame this past Saturday, I which is really cool. Yes. And then also maybe touch on Penn too. Yeah. A lot of listeners are Philadelphia based. Oh yeah, so.
0: absolutely. So um, I grew up in Wynwood, mm-hmm. uh, just outside the city, right next to La Marine High School. Okay. Um, in fact, when I was in grade school, Kobe Bryant used to drive past our bus stop, okay. <laughs> all yeah. wave, you know, wave at him and, um, and that kind of thing. So yeah. I, 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 grew up by, right by Laura Marion and, um, there is a background of news in my mm. family. So it sort of made sense that I ended up here, but it didn't okay. start that way. Um, so the background is that my, uh, my mother had worked in print news for most of my life. Okay. Um, when she, she went to Georgetown and then when she and my dad, uh, got married, they moved up to New York. He was working for the NFL. She was cool. working, on um, for the New York Daily News and, um, covering the Islanders. Okay. The, so she was covering sports. Wow. And covered the Islanders when they won the Stanley Cup. And, okay. Um, so she was a sports reporter for a long time, and and then she found herself with three children in yeah. Manhattan. And so, long story short, they ended up back in the Philadelphia area okay. where she grew up. Right. Um, and she started working at the papers here, got it, um, at the Daily News and the Enquirer. And before she left the paper, she was a business editor at the Enquirer and a senior editor. Okay. So I mean, it sort of made sense that I was I was geared more toward news and storytelling, right. um, just because I grew up with it. Grew up with it yeah. Um, Yeah. So then I went to Notre Dame mm-hmm. and uh and after Notre Dame went to Penn. Mm-hmm. And it's funny, I started out at Penn thinking I was going to go into the sciences. Okay. Um, you know, maybe become a nurse, maybe become a doctor, something like that. And then I realized that was not the not right research. choice. Yeah. No. It was like there was nobody in my family. There there really is like no one in my immediate family who is scientifically inclined in right. any way, shape, or form. I think I was probably trying to buck the trend a bit, um, okay. in terms of having grown up in sort right. of a, 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 news writing type mm-hmm. of family, um, and thinking I might do something else. But in reality, I came back to, right you know, came back to what I, what I've known my whole life. Okay. Um, and so I really started to get involved when I was at Penn, um, in broadcast. I mm-hmm. had a work study job at 885 XPN, I, I,
1: people that aren't in Philadelphia, it's a big radio station
0: in Philadelphia. It is, N- yes. So 885XPN is the um, NPR affiliate for uh, uh, in Philadelphia. It's not the only one. Obviously, there's WHYY, but it's an NPR-affiliated station um, if they play music, um, mm-hmm. and it's professionally managed. So once upon a time, it used to be student-run. In fact, Andrea Mitchell of NBC News used to be one of the students who okay. was a big part of 885XPN um, in terms of... of Uh, the operation of it and when she was a student at Penn herself and then it it sort of evolved into becoming a professionally managed station Mm -hmm. um, with a number of programs that are uh, broadcast throughout the country and really I think throughout the world through Public Radio International. So it was a really great experience and a really great work-study job and I kind of was able to do a lot of different things from their marketing to events to uh, they used to have the the Penn calendar that they would let a work study mm-hmm. student do on the air. And so I got to do that. Okay. <laughs> my senior <laughs> year. Um, and then I got involved in Penn in UTV. Okay. Um, at Penn. Um, so I. And at the same time, you were also a student athlete. So I was, yeah. I hockey. was playing, yep, I was okay. playing field hockey. Um, and actually, it was a, a girl on the team, one of the captains, who had an internship at the Today Show. Mm-hmm. Um, when she was like in her junior year and I I remembered it and from my freshman year and as I, I, I got into my sophomore year, I, I had reached out to her and was like, you know, I, I think I might be interested in doing that. So I ended up interning at the Today Show the summer after my junior year in college and, um, from there I interned at NBC10, my, uh, the spring semester of my senior year. And it really wasn't until that second internship at NBC Ten that I, I was able to sort of zero in on exactly what I wanted to do. And I realized through shadowing, you know, reporters and mm-hmm. and just the internship opportunity itself that I wanted to become a reporter. Okay. Um and so that meant putting a demo tape, you know, video together. tape okay. at the time together um and sending it out to small markets all across the country in places okay. that I didn't even know existed. Yeah. Uh and so from there I I after I graduated I sent out tapes, you know, every day or so. Mm-hmm. I got a job um, not too long after I graduated in my first market what which is was grand junction colorado okay so to put in perspective there are like 210 markets of television oh wow um which are are pretty much they run in line with population size so Mm -hmm. the number one market is new york okay philadelphia is the number four market so like i said there's 210 markets um grand junction was 186 Wow. okay (laughs) it's a very small market um but it was, you know, it was a place where you cut your teeth and, sure, yeah. and figure out how to do this, figure yeah. out how to write, figure out how to report, interview people, make deadline. Um, and it was a really Was it sport. hard?
1: Because a lot of people, I know from Penn, either go up, stay in Philly or go to New York City or San Fran, and you were going to Grand Junction, Colorado. So, so that was really sort of like a trade-off a little
0: bit. So, you know, it's funny. It's like, I'm sure you know on... Um, young men and women who are graduating from college these days and mm. it's like, oh, what are you going to do after you graduate? It's yeah. the question that they hear hundreds of times before they finally do graduate and then after they graduate and so why, of course, was that, you know, what, what are you going to do? And right. yeah, so many yeah. of our, my classmates were had jobs lined up in New York, right. jobs in Philadelphia, up and down the East Coast, Washington. It's mm-hmm. like, well, I'm putting a tape together to send out to really small markets <laughs> in the middle of nowhere and yeah. hopes they hire me uh, and, and pay me a very small salary <laughs> to right. start. So I was crossing my fingers that this would work out. Okay. You know what it. I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. Let's hope this works out. Right, right. Yeah. Um, like this sort of crazy idea, you know, it yeah, sounds yeah. Like crazy that I'm telling people, especially people who aren't familiar with how this sort of works, that, that, is works. The, that yeah. that's the way you do it. You, you do go do to it, a yeah. small market, you move to a middle sized market. Okay. If you want to move to a big market, you know, you go from there. Yeah. Um, so it sort of sounded like this crazy idea. Right. right. <laughs> it's but it's not. Crazy. But in no, industry, it's in not. the industry yeah. it's not. Right, exactly. Yeah. Okay, so how long did you stay there for? I was actually there for about 13 months. Okay, um, Not too long. No, and it was, it, because it was a small market and people were kind of moving in and out of there quickly. Um, you know, it's like I was hired as the a weekend reporter, and maybe okay. within like two months I was the weekend anchor, and then in Got like it. six months I was the morning anchor, and then okay. was the evening anchor before I left. Yeah.
1: Um, so what's the next step then after... Thir- and is that typical? Oh, um, in a first job? Usually it's
0: with... Usually people are in their first market for like two... 13 months is short. Okay. Um, but you, it could be a year, it could be up to three years. Right. Typically like two years. Okay. Um. I don't know. I was very determined to get back to Philadelphia as okay. quickly as humanly possible. Right, right, right. Um, just having in, having interned at NBC10, mm-hmm. I really felt strongly about, you know, making it my goal to come back to Philly. Okay. Which I knew would be difficult um, because so much of what... You know what my industry is—is is timing. Yeah, is I mean a little bit of luck, mm-hmm. um, and I think people believing in you. Okay. Um,
1: did you stay in touch with them throughout that period? How does that work? I
0: did. Okay. So um, at the time, I uh, when I was an intern, we really the interns had a lot. I I, I was interning with, in the investigative unit. Okay. So I was very close with the reporter who was there, Luanne Khan, mm-hmm. longtime reporter at NBC Ten. Um, and the the producer, who is an investigator, is a guy by the name of Ed Dress. Okay. Uh, they both have moved on beyond NBC Ten, but at the t- you know, were there when I I was there as an intern, um, and were still there when I returned as a reporter. Okay. But so they um they were both very supportive and right. um, helpful in terms of finding my first job and figuring out what to do next. So I always stayed in touch with them, and then I also stayed in touch with. Uh, the people in HR mm-hmm. and some other people in the newsroom. I really wasn't close with the news director because I sort okay. of operated under the idea of like interns should be seen and not heard. You know, okay. It's like right, you sort right. of stay yeah. away from from the head hunters because yeah. they've got bigger fish to fry than you know, deal, yeah. dealing with interns, I right. suppose, in theory. Um, but it's funny, when I was in my first market, my contacts who were still at NBC 10, the producers are like, you know, send us your stuff. And one of them had said, "Do you mind if I pass this along to the news director?" Okay. Like, yeah, of course. Right. Yeah. 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 I'd love for him to take a look at my work and yeah. and, and give me critiques and definitely and, yeah. uh, advice and um. So it, it, the news director at the time, his name was Chris Blackman. So I, I'll never forget it. One like random day, um, when I was in Colorado, it was on my day off, which mm. was I think I was working the weekend at that point. So it was okay. like a Thursday or Friday. And my phone's ringing, and I know that it's a number from NBC 10 because I can see what it is. But I'm just thinking it might be maybe it's somebody from the investigative department checking in, whatever. And sure enough, on the other end of this line was Chris Blackman, the news director. Okay, you know, I'm like stunned. Yeah, I'm in Market 186. Why is he calling me? And he um, he had a reputation for really uh, fostering talent Mm -hmm. and kind of taking people under his wing. Uh, one of his mentees, so to speak, is Kristen Welker, who's with NBC News now, um, who had come through NBC 10. Because of Chris. Right. So uh, he, you know, he reached out. He's like, i got to look at your tape. You know, mm. he gave me a couple pointers, things I should work on. And just said, you know, this is what I sort of do. I kind of keep in touch with various, you know, people who are coming yeah. up, you know, through smaller markets. We should stay in touch. Okay. You now send me your stuff. So that must have been a confidence booster, too. Oh, my point. goodness. I, I yeah. just, I felt like I should take this contact and run with it. Mm. And that's really what I did. Okay. So anytime I came back to Philly... I mean, even if it was for like a funeral, yeah. I went in. I went in to you see in know, I was yeah. in Colorado. I went in to see Chris Blackman, right? Um, and just stayed in touch with him, yes. and stayed in touch with him through my second market, which was in uh, Fort Myers, Naples. Florida. Okay, that's not a bad market. I, I had many more visitors in Florida than I did guys okay. in Colorado. Um, How long were you there for? So I was there for a little over two and a half years. Okay, which is a little kind of tight on time too um mm-hmm. a lot of people typically stay in their second market same thing for three years some people stay in their second market for you know for forever okay but, you know it sort of depends on what you want to do and right. same thing does the timing work out yeah do you have a little bit of luck you know right, right. To kind of see the right people um so i so fort myers Naples, florida is like market 64 okay so that was a good job yeah a mid-sized market um and I got hired as the weekend anchor. Okay. Um. And so yeah. So I while I was there, same thing. Stayed in touch mm-hmm. with um, Chris up in Philly okay. and and my other contacts and just continued to work on work on reporting and right, anchoring. Right. Um, I think a lot of people. I, I mean, to me, this is this is obvious, but. Some people I talk to don't realize, so my job is in terms of reporting, mm-hmm. even anchoring too, but for reporting specifically, it's like you walk into a morning meeting, you talk about what, what's happening yeah, today. Yeah, I'd love to know how it works. Yeah. yeah you daily you day. pitch, you pitch your stories. You okay. know, I've got a source here who's telling me this. I think we should work on this. Okay. Um, and then stories that you know are going to be big news of the day. Right. Uh, like today, I, I'm just going through my work emails. Uh, we've got somebody in Washington Okay. Um, you know, this is all post eagles, not going right. to the white yeah, house. I saw that. Okay. So, um, you know, so there's obviously big news of the day, you know, you're going to cover. And then okay. there's things that you have to sort of bring to the table Pretty that stable, you're working yeah. on enterprise stories. <clears throat> so you talk about it in a morning meeting or okay. let's say if you're working a night shift in an afternoon meeting and then see ya and you're out the door and yeah. you have to, you have to figure out who do I need to talk to, to interview, um, what video do we need to get? Okay. Um, especially if it's a story that is somewhat controversial or controversial outright. You yeah. get both sides of the story. Um, you know, like if it involves a company, we got to reach out to them, get a statement. Yeah. Um, so you sort of gather with your photographer. We call them okay. photographers. They're videographers. videographers okay. But we just call them photographers, Botox for short. Um, so the two of you are working together. Okay. And you're figuring out what you need and then after you get all of your interviews and all your video, you the reporter are writing it. So okay. you listen to it, you write a we call them packages, you write a story on um, and then you it is approved by a managing editor or something okay. on on on, on uh, on the shift at the time. Got it. And then the photographer is the one who edits it together. Right. Okay. a video with the sound as you've laid out in a script. Okay. Um, and you are sort of the one, somebody said this to me at probably my second market. It's like the reporters are also father time. Okay. And that like our deadlines are very real. You know, if you're on the air at 4.04 in the afternoon, like if you're either hitting it 4.04 or you're not, you know right. what I mean? Like you're not. You, you, you cannot miss a Okay. You can, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're not supposed to. Right. So, you know, how you sort of have to backtrack. Okay, how much time do we need to get every, you know, to go gather, you know, then kind of regroup in the truck, okay. listen to everything, you, the reporter, write it, get it approved, give it to your photographer in enough time so you can edit it, feed right. it in. Okay. So there are some... There are some days that you're getting your stories in by the skin of your teeth. Yeah. And other days where you have more have time. more time. <laughs>
1: so do you have any time management tactics? Because obviously you have to be
0: yes, you dare. careful with your time. Um, I mean, I, I suppose at this point I'm just so, you know, it's like I know the routine in terms of like how much time we're going to need. Right. You know, it's like I'm not okay. second guessing anymore. I think... I think what it really is, is when we get tight on time, it's like, you just, you have to cut your losses. Okay. You know what I mean? Like, right. you know what? We're just, we're going to end the piece here and that's that. And we can't get that last part in. Okay. So it's more about when you get into those tight crunches, you know, you have to make a decision quickly. Okay. Like we're, we're dropping this. We're just, we're not going to be able to have enough time to get, to get to that. So if we need it, like if it's a response from someone Okay. How else can we get this on the air? Well, can we give it back to the producers in you know in house and studio and have an anchor read, right? You know this, you know sort of the response from let's say the company that's being sued or okay, what, you know what I mean? Got it. Yeah. So I don't know. I suppose that's really it. Is just um, when you when you when it's crunch time, figuring out yeah. what you can cut and and moving and just making the decision and making and moving quick decisions longer. yeah. Did you have any
1: setbacks in Fort Myers, like where it happened where you didn't make a
0: slot? No, but I think in terms of setbacks, what was interesting is that I moved to Florida in late 2007. Okay. So right before the recession. Recession, yeah. And where I was in Florida, um, one of the areas within this market was Cape Coral, which literally was ground zero for the housing crisis. Okay. So like number one and number two in the country for foreclosures at the time was Las Vegas and Cape Coral, Florida. Okay. Um and I mean it was like they the New York Times sent reporters down to, you know, to the Fort Myers area. Right. And, and it was like on the front page of the Fort of the New York Times. Um there's a movie about it. And of course I'm forgetting what are talking
1: about. But I remember the movie where they go down to Florida. That's yeah. A, it's a movie about the um the crisis. In oh the city I know what you're talking uh, about. I know exactly what you're shore. talking about. Yes. yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah.
0: yeah. No, but that's yeah. what was happening. I mean, and the craziest thing I mean, and so it was very interesting to be there during that time because I mean, people, even just people who worked in news, you know, people, cause that's who all I really knew. Right. You know, it's mostly who I knew down there. I mean, I got okay. to know people in the community, but, um, mostly you're, you become friends with the people you're, you know, you're working with These yeah. are all sort of in the same boat from other places, you know, working, working in this market. Um, I mean there were people who had been there obviously pre-housing crisis when you could get a you could get a mortgage so easily and right. purchase a home. I mean I knew few people who had had two homes that they had purchased. Okay. And um it just and ended up underwater completely. Okay. And other people who were had bought a house before the housing crisis were trying to leave the market, mm-hmm. had to short sell their houses just because they bought them for, like, you know, maybe $290,000, mm-hmm. and they were worth $60,000. Wow. I mean, just incredible.
1: So were you reporting on this?
0: Oh, yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah, and, I mean, the president came down to visit. So right. there were a few presidential visits that we covered. Um, so those
1: must have been some breakthroughs for you.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, and I think also just um, – Getting a different perspective. Mm-hmm. I mean, you and I talked about this. We grew, I, we grew up in the Philadelphia mm-hmm. area. We went to Penn. Mm-hmm. You know, we went to um, college in Philly. Obviously, Penn attracts people from all over the country and the world. But you still do feel a sense of of what Philadelphia is about, right. what the people are about. And I didn't really know until I left the area yeah. what you know the issues that other people in the country live with. daily. Mm-hmm. I mean, even out in Colorado, even for the thirteen months I was there. You Know, I never knew anything about wildland, you know, fires, wildfires. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and um, you know, and there was also a little bit of controversy at the time over like water rights and land rights and and um, uh, drilling rights, you know, so that that was new to me, right? Um, and then in Florida with the housing crisis, Mm. I mean, it was serious, yeah, you know, here we live in such a stable area and sure things took a hit, but I mean, it was incredible. And just the impact on, um, I mean, I remember I covered a story and this was, you know, at least two years into the recession Mm -hmm. where they had, um, it, it the court the court system was getting so backed up mm-hmm. of foreclosure cases yeah um, because there were so many that they would try to run these rocket dockets where they would try to move through okay. as many as they could because people were sort of in limbo yeah Is the bank gonna foreclose on my house what's happening okay. can I keep my house or a way to keep it um it was it was. It was difficult, mm-hmm. um, and, and meeting those people and talking to those people. At the time, I wasn't a homeowner, so this was all sort of new to me understanding it. I was in my right. early, early 20s. Okay. Um, and, uh, you know, and then even just the properties. I mean, people would just abandon their properties. Yeah. Some of the properties that were abandoned turned into grow homes where okay. people would grow marijuana. And then, you wow. know, we'd cover a story where there's a raid on a ho- you know, a grow yeah. home um just incredible and I've been back to Fort Myers my mm. it's funny my dad like loved being down there when he okay. would come to visit so um <laughs> there's a couple really great spots there's a, yeah. a place called Santa Belle Island that's yeah, just off sure. the yeah it's really nice yeah. so we've gone back a few times you know just to visit right like, you know oh, go down to yeah. Florida so it's it seems as though things are improving, improving. have improved oh, okay. but I mean I don't know that those property values will ever yeah. totally recover that's crazy so, anyway. so while you
1: were working down there, um, are you basically working around the clock 24 seven or you, I... when you took your days off were they yeah.
0: off or so you, you know, you work. So like currently my current schedule in uh-huh. Philly, I work on, I anchor Saturday and Sunday mornings and okay. then I'm off Monday, Tuesday. That's why we're right. talking on a on Tuesday, a Tuesday yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and then I'm in Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. So okay. you know, you're working five days a week, but I mean, even just today, like, I got a text from a source of mine um, who's in law enforcement who was texting me about something that happened in court that was of significance, and, you know, so I had a call, a news, right. like, hey, do you guys know, you know, are you guys aware of this? Do you know of this? No, this was news to them. All right, okay. let me send you what I have on it. You know, here's some pictures that this person sent related okay. to the issue, and here's some more info. So it's like... Right your um you always have a pulse on it. Yeah, on okay. I mean as you know as much as and I I'm sure it's this way for a lot of people mm-hmm. in all industries you sure. can't totally, you know, turn off, turn off and right. tune out on your days off, yeah. you know, because we all have cell phones exactly. and we all email and yeah. if you're not looking at your phone every 3 minutes, which we we do mm-hmm. naturally, it's like, well then how can you, how can you can't respond to that? Yeah. So Um, I, yeah, so you're, you're on in that way. And then of course, when there's breaking news, you're, you're on, you're on, Mm -hmm. um, you know, when the, there was the train derailment in Philadelphia a few years ago in Mm. Port Richmond, I mean, it was like all hands on deck, just getting calls in the middle of the night, you know, to get up, get up and, and figure out where they needed you. Um, so yeah. Yeah. So when
1: did you get the call to come back to Philadelphia?
0: So it's interesting. You know, you sort of think of things as like, I'm going to come back to Philly and it's yeah. going to be in a, you know, it's going to be so great. Mm-hmm. And, and it was and has turned out to be, but, um, it wasn't quite like that. Okay. So I had been, you know, pushing. I wanted to come back to Philadelphia. I really wanted to come and work here. And even though I, I was sort of on the younger side, I felt like How I was... How old were you at that point? I was, um... 25 okay so i had He's still I, young, yeah yeah and I, so i had worked like i said about 13 months in my first market a little okay. more than two and a half years in my second but i felt ready i mean right. i just knew that i was ready and um and i wanted to come home right yeah you know what i mean like, <laughs> I one to come home to yeah to, to philadelphia i had i remember on the time at the at the time i had interviewed like in kansas city and in okay. memphis um, the guy I was dating at the time who was also, he was from, uh, from Florida okay. or rather from Georgia. He was like, you're on the barbecue tour of America. I'm like, right. yeah, I'm not, I want to go back. You want to go home. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I, like I said, had stayed in touch with the news director at the time who was still in Philly. Um, that was sort of my like best and kind of closest mm-hmm. contact and, he finally, I kind of, I think I kind of convinced him that they're, you know, like, look, I'm coming home because my contract was coming up. And, and that's sort of the issue with the timing. It's like, every, okay. you're, you're under contract. Right. So in okay. every job, even in my first market um, that paid nothing, Okay, <laughs> you're under a contract. Yeah. So uh, that's sort of the issue of like timing and okay. and things working out so my contract was coming up I, I really was did not want to stay only because I felt ready to move on right um just professionally speaking and in terms of being challenged and and moving up to the next level and I think I sort of like convinced Chris like look I am coming home by hook or by crook so like either right. you got some work for me or you don't and at the time NBC10 in particular had um th- they really sort of had a, a format where people could work per diem. Okay. You'd be a per diem reporter, so mm-hmm. you're not technically staffed, but right. you're still in the union. You you, you be because we're all we are in a union, we're in a SAG AFTRA. Okay. Um you're in the union, you know, you you're on the schedule, but you're it's can be it's either it could be regular, or it could be infrequent, okay. sporadic, whatever. Um, and and in the past they would bring they might bring you in per diem even if you are a little younger, you work pretty in for a couple of years and then you make staff. Okay. So I was sort of trying to convince him like, look, I'm coming home and please have something available. Oh, yeah. So he did. And, um, they had a few people who were senior reporters who okay. were leaving uh, around the time guys like Mike Strug, Bill Baldini and, uh who were there when I was an intern and okay. who I looked up to. They were leaving. They were retiring. So there was a, there was some room. Right. So Chris brought me back per diem, um, which it's funny. I remember someone telling me at the time, like, look, it's, it's sort of a risk because you're leaving a full-time job in right. Florida okay. to come up and, you know, hope that this works, works out. out yeah. Um, And I was coming home to live with my parents. Okay. You know, Move <laughs> yeah. back into my parents' house right. Um, to do it. But it just seemed like, you know, to get your foot in the door and yeah. to try, you know what I mean, you got to do it. So right. it wasn't quite the like homecoming, homecoming that, you know, yeah. you sort of envisioning right. in your mind that it's going to be perfect. And no, you know, I was coming in sort of at the lowest rung as a podium okay. reporter, moving back in with mom and dad in my mid twenties. Right. You know, the so wedding. that
1: was 10 years ago about? Or nine? Uh, 2000.
0: Yep. 2009. Okay. Exactly. So I'll be a decade at NBC 10 next year. Very cool. I know. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, so I, but I just so around this time, and I think especially having been in Florida and just see what the what was going on with the economy right. and seeing ground zero for what this recession was doing to to uh, certainly the people who lived there mm-hmm. in Florida, um, this is when I started thinking about law school. Okay, that's um, right. So my, and I it wasn't so totally out of my realm because okay. my grandmother, my mother's mother, Um, for whom I named. Her name was uh, Rosemary Flannery. She, uh, in her early 40s, after my mother and her two siblings were, you know, in grade school and old enough to sort of Mm. watch themselves after school, she decided to go to law school. Okay. And she was one of the first women to graduate from Villanova Law School. So cool. And one of the first women to practice in Montgomery County. So that had sort of... I had always sort of been interested in it. Um, And, you know, I think just, again, it was a part of my kind of family yeah. history and and again nobody's scientifically inclined whatsoever in my right. family so <laughs> is it part
1: of the industry do people do that sometimes um, for journalism there's a few people
0: okay. um Savannah Guthrie actually Savannah's okay. story is interesting she um, she from my understanding she went to she started out in news and reporting okay. and actually a guy I worked with in Florida had worked with her in like another small sure, market yeah and then I think she left it and moved to Washington okay. and I believe went to Georgetown Law and became oh, a lawyer. Wow. Okay. Um, and then from there and having had some background yeah. in broadcasting, okay. even at a, in a smaller market, even right. sort of at an early, you know, a beginner level, um, she was able to kind of move into doing move into network it. work, you know, I okay. suppose first as a, you know, somebody who's, um, you know like a consultant or contributor sure. and yeah. then and then she was hired and then obviously the rest, okay. is, the rest is the rest is, is history. History. Yeah. So there are a few people um so and I, I felt I guess at the time I felt I had always, I had been interested in it and I felt like um not only was the economy in such a strange place but mm-hmm. the industry was sort of in a strange place okay because uh you know once upon a time when you had 3 three stations to watch, now you had seven,
1: you know, so like ABC,
0: CBS, NBC, Fox, WB, CW, whatever. Um, and then obviously the internet, right. You know, digital media. So that, it was sort of like, and that was sort of happening simultaneously with the, with the the economy just, you know, stalled. Right. Um, so I just sort of felt like this might be a good time. Yeah. I'm moving, I'm going to, I'm moving home for a job that's, Part time at best. I okay. don't know how much time I'm going to get in terms of this pretty right. work. Um, so, did you think if that doesn't work out? You yeah, know, like I the mean, law yeah. I mean, I thought at the very least it's going to help me because yeah. there's, you know, there's so much of what we do is. I mean, we. I just got done uh, in part covering uh, the Cosby case. Right. Um. We. One of our reporters, uh, her name's Deanna Durante, who covers the, our sort of our, our a lot of our suburbs and specifically Montgomery County. She's mm-hmm. been on the case since day okay. one, and then they've sort of brought me in, um, right. you know, as as like really when the jury's gone out to deliberate in the last few days of the trial. So it has absolutely helped me in terms Enjoyed of the work that, that yeah. I do. It just, I mean, I feel like I before I went to law school, sitting in a courtroom, I just I felt. Um, you know, the, I mean, I, at the time, I was obviously a younger reporter, but right. I, I couldn't totally understand the nuances of what was happening. Exactly. And yeah. now I do. Okay. Um, so there's that. So I certainly felt like it would help. Right. Or worse, if if worst case scenario, you know, I yeah. I suppose I could become a lawyer. Right. Yeah. So that's so when I moved back home and moved back into my parents' house, that okay. I had, that summer I had started taking um, LSAT prep courses. Right. And then took the LSAT. Okay. And um, was applying locally. I really I applied to Villanova and Temple. Um, and got into both schools. Okay. And, uh, and I. What I liked about Temple, which is where I went, mm-hmm. is that few law schools have a have a pr- part time program. Most do not. Okay. Um, Temple does. It's okay. a true part time program. They want you to be done in four years. Mm-hmm. Um, so that probably sounds like maybe you're taking one class a semester. You're taking right. at least three. Okay. If not four, and there Got were it. a few some sem- a few semesters or at least one semester, I think I was doing five classes. Wow. Um, While well, simultaneously. Working full-time. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So when I got back to 10, uh, back to Philly, I was starting to work at 10. I, um, that first year I was back, I was, I was doing some work on, um, I was really kind of, pre- I was applying to law school. That's right. really what I did. I just, I took the LSAT, applied to law school, prayed for snowstorms that I could work. Right, right, <laughs> right. They'd call me in, you know, yeah. pretty, like, Hey, we have a, you know, there's a blizzard. We need a okay. all hands on deck. Like yeah. seriously praying for snowstorms. Um, And in my first year through the winter time, I wasn't getting. I had gotten a lot. I'd come back like in the summertime, so that I was getting a bunch of work because people were on vacation. And then by the fall and into the winter, like I said, I wasn't getting as much work, which was fine because it gave me the opportunity to really dive into applying to law school right. and getting in. yeah, um, And then by the spring, work started to pick up again and certainly by the summer. Yeah. So then I had to make a decision. I was working night as a nightside reporter a couple nights a week regularly. And then I, I had to make a decision about law school. Temple lets you, you sort of apply and... I mean, I think I applied as full time. But if you want to change it to part time, you can do it the week before classes okay. start. Right. So I was sort of trying to to debate what to do. Do I go full time? But you're really not supposed to be. You're not at all supposed to be working if you're a full time student. Okay. Or do I go part time? But am I going to get you know? Is the work going to pick up in NBC Ten? Right. So long story short, I want to say like the week before classes started. They told me, "Um, you know, we're going to have you just so you know, like your schedule is going to be Monday through Friday nights. You'll work five nights a week. So I was still per diem. I wasn't a staff reporter yet, but I'm like, okay. So I I ended up starting, you know, I I decided part-time was probably the right way to go. So then I did my first year in law school. And didn't get kicked out. And did fine. Okay. You know, I was like, all right, well, I didn't get kicked out. And right, was, went fine. Okay. It was it was fine. Yeah. And I at that point I was working five nights a week, and then they uh, that summer. So I had been home two years now. They offered me a contract to be a staff reporter. Okay, so very cool. I thought, well, you know, I didn't get kicked
1: out a lot. Yeah. So how long has that been since? Uh, that was contract? like
0: 20, 2000, I guess two thousand. Was it 2011? I suppose 2011 was okay. when they, you know, I I got got, got a contract. So and I was like, time now, yeah. yeah. And I was like, well, I'm I've, I've already put in a year of law school and then, right. know, I'm like, fine. I let's finish this. Or, yeah. So to speak. By the time I got to my fourth year, I'm like, this needs to end. This right. is so
1: long. Yeah, yeah. Um were there what are the major trade-offs of doing that?
0: I mean, I it was like a blur. Okay. I mean, it was such you a You just dove into it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it just so what I would do is, so even though I was part-time and I suppose the true part-time students were going to school at night, I was, because I was a nightside reporter, I was reporting for our 11 o'clock news. So I, my shift was like three in the afternoon until, you know, 11 midnight, whatever. I would go to school during the day. So I would go to school, you know, like starting at nine in the morning, okay. a couple classes, and then most days I'd have at least a little break before I had to go into work. Okay. Or one semester there was like a class that got done at like 2.30 and I had like 30 minutes to you drive over from there. Temple yeah. to City Ave. I think I drove in oncoming traffic okay. more than once um, trying to get there. Right. But yeah, so um, that was the only thing. And so I don't, you know, I was this part-timer working in a mm-hmm. demanding um job, you know, and that's the thing. It's not like I was sitting in a cubicle all day that I could do work. Right. You know, you like it's kind of like when I'm at work, like I really couldn't do any law school right. or work just because you're constantly doing something and you're, you have a deadline every day to get, you know, to get your stuff on the air. So I, um, I don't, you know, I was with full-time students yeah. who this was their full-time job. Right. So that was, that was a little tricky in right. that in terms of like I always sort of wondered if I had gone at night, but it really wouldn't have worked out um, in terms of keeping the schedule that I had within right. UC 10 um, You know, with the final, would I have felt a little bit better going into the finals and a little bit better being in class just because right. I was with other people who got it, you know, okay. had the same, were going through the same thing I was, right. as opposed to, you know, with these young students who were, this was their full-time job and they exactly. were completely prepared for every class and I'm yeah. like... Squeezing in a few right, pages, right. you know mm-hmm. what I mean. Yeah. So there was that, yeah. but um. So but fast forward down. to
1: 2018, mm-hmm. and now you're NBC 10. Mm-hmm. So can you tell the listeners what your description is now? Yeah,
0: so I um I am the weekend morning anchor. Um, okay. I so I got promoted uh, in 2013. Okay. Um, so after I'd been uh, as a, a nightside reporter for a few years, mm-hmm. they asked me if I would you know wanted to do weekend morning anchoring. Um, I say promoted, but I'm up every, I've been up every, almost just about every Saturday and Sunday morning for the past five years at somewhere between two or three o'clock in the morning. Wow. Really? <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> um, so especially when we live downtown, you yeah. know, I'd be getting up and seeing people <laughs> right, <laughs> coming on home for the, you know, yeah. coming, coming home for the night. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, so I anchor on the weekends and a big part of my job, same thing, is like, you know, I think people probably think I'm just sitting there and just reading and that's that, but Mm -hmm. a big part of my job is writing scripts, reviewing scripts, going through them, editing them. Um, in terms of my law background, I don't know. That must have helped the time. Right? I, I look at every, not just every story I'm, I'm doing, you know, and putting together from mm-hmm. start to finish, but even if I'm anchoring and, and sort of reading stuff that we've, other people have gathered, um, and I work with great people. So okay. this is not too much. This really isn't an issue, but yeah. I look at everything through the lens of, can we be sued if we put this, can I be sued if we put okay. this on here? I mean, right. and is this fair? Okay. Is this fair in how we're reporting this? Is this fair in how we're wording this, um, generally speaking, but legally speaking? Right. You know, um, are we giving everybody sort of their due in terms of, an, an you know, the ability to respond? Okay. So, I think that's helpful. Definitely, um, yeah. Only because as the anchor, you're, you know, you're not just responsible for one story in a newscast, you're sort of fronting, you know, the whole newscast. Um, right. So, many different stories, you know. Right, right, yeah. So, that's crazy that I yeah. scheduled that.
1: So you must yeah. really love your job, though. I do. Yeah.
0: I mean, I you know, I think um, I. It's funny when I interned at NBC Ten in that spring semester mm-hmm. and really figured out, okay, this is what I want to do. It okay. was sort of twofold. One was something that um, when I was an intern at the Today Show, Katie Kirk had said in that she before when she started out early on. Um, she was a producer she's actually working at uh cnn at one point when it it was you know very it was sort of in its early stages um and she had said to us she sat down with all us interns you know to sort of have like a talk and and said that she eventually wanted to move on air because she felt like she Wanted to sort of be the face of her own work. Okay, you know, sure. I mean, it's yeah. you know, certainly the producers at our station do a lot of work on um, and the photographers, but I suppose as the reporter, it, it really is your face. Yeah. And it's kind of like at the end of the day, for better or worse, like whether the story turned out the way you wanted it to in terms right. of getting all of the elements you, you figured you'd need for the story or not, mm-hmm. it's your face on it. You know yeah, what I mean? Definitely. um So I, I that resonated with yeah. me. I thought, well, that that makes a lot of sense. Um, and then also when I was in my internship at NBC 10, I realized that the reporters are the ones who are out of the office Okay. Um, and it literally, you know, out the door, mm-hmm. on the street, talking to people, uh, meeting new people, right. covering, you know, a different story every day. And that yeah. really appealed to me. Definitely. I actually just listened to a
1: podcast on Kitty Couric. Oh, did, Yeah. Yeah. And she was talking about. He asked her. He was like, "Do you ever get nervous for a certain stories?" So she was saying how she was put on the spot a lot of times, was like sure. the president a couple of times. Oh yeah, I'm so, sure. Were you put on the spot at all? Um, do you get nervous? I don't really. Are you past that point now? Yeah,
0: I really don't get nervous. We were talking about this. I really don't get nervous mm. on air. Um, I I I was as we were talking about the, I in preparing for the commencement speech I had mm. to give at our at our high school Notre Dame I I talking in front of a large group of people is not, has not historically been like my forte or or comfort zone. So it's something I've really had to work on and it's like, I have to prepare and, Mm. you know, and I, whatever I'm going to say, whether it's a speech or a discussion, whatever, I sort of have to like read out loud to like my husband or his his opinion. Um, and my mother, of course. Mm -hmm. Um, but in terms of on air, I don't, I really don't get nervous. Um, just because, I, you know, certainly in my first job I did. You did, I right, went, yeah.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And now it's second year. Yeah, it is, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Talking about the commencement speech, mm-hmm. what did you tell um, the
0: graduating seniors? So, it's funny. I ended up... Um, I ended up... The framework for the speech mm-hmm. was really... I, I kind of used... I did. I used the lyrics to our alma mater. Okay. You know, and sort of... It was kind of set up like, you know, you are your path is not going to be straight and hmm. up and it's going to take a lot of twists and turns okay. and you're going to move forward and you're going to move backward on um, and you're going to fail and right. that's when and it's a reality that we have to face but it's never final you sort right. of get the last word when you write your story and you know your story and um you know you're going to need a source of strength, and Notre Dame is going to be that source. Mm-hmm. And and we think of our alma mater, the lyrics to our alma mater, as sort of in honor of Our Lady, the Blessed Mother. Mm-hmm. Um, but that they're really words to guide you. Okay. You know, your standards must be wrought in faith. Okay, you must possess nobility, love, and courage. You know the words, right? Mater, right, 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 right. I out it out a, a little love? bit. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. <laughs> And that you know, and one of the last sort of lyrics is you okay. know your high ideals that never swerve. Your high, you know, mm-hmm. you must have high ideals that never swerve. So that was sort of how I I framed the, um, the framed speech. the speech. Yeah, okay. and then and actually my mother was was very helpful in in helping me kind of piece together um, you know what to what to write about in terms of my experiences at Notre Dame. You know the experience. I the experiences I hope they're having it. You know they've had it Notre Dame and what will come next, so, right? Yeah. So
1: um, question for you too: How do you deal with um, like setbacks or failures <sighs> and perseverance, through it? Because you have you've had a long road.
0: Yeah, yeah. And it is, and it's not. It, it takes so many. I mean, I think for a lot of people's mm-hmm. careers, you know, Definitely. You, you think it's it's going to be that, or at least when you get to a certain point in your career, it looks on paper like it's mm-hmm. been some straight path, and it that really hasn't. Doesn't. Yeah, you, know, you just. You take risks and you hope and you, I think you, you, you do the best you can. I think for me, um, what I've had to learn is, uh, and I suppose this goes on some level back to thinking about your time management and like what Mm -hmm. you, you know, cutting your losses. Okay. Um, I feel like I've had, that's something I've, I've had to learn, Mm -hmm. you know, to like you gotta, you have to know when to cut your losses, when it's just not going to work out. Um, You know, when I was at Penn, I was on the field hockey team. I had been recruited to play field hockey, but I wasn't getting a ton of playing time. Sure, yeah. You know, there were girls from all over who were the same with track, right? Right. (laughs) Right. All right. So did you have this, this, this core, this? this path too well
1: I was you know shining in high school and then I got to Penn and I was like oh my gosh wait a minute
0: there's right and Um, there's there's like an intimidation factor totally yeah I think that does I mean it impacted my sort of psyche you know as an athlete when I you know you're in Franklin Field yeah (laughs) I know everyone was like did you get to run a Penn relay I was like actually I didn't because I wasn't on like the air relay right right yeah Um, so, you know, I, I sort of had to, by my junior year had to, at that point I, you know, I had the work study job at the radio station at eight eight five XPN. I was, um, thinking about what the next, I was going to getting involved in UTV. Mm, I was thinking about what the next step was going to be. And it just, it was like, really, I'm going to come back for another, a spring of off season training where you're up at, you know, five, four, five in the morning before a full day of classes and you know, where, how am I really spending my time? Mm -hmm. And that, and that was probably the best lesson of all in so many respects. Um, in that you, you know, you have to learn when to, you have to learn when to cut your losses and when, you know, if it's not working out, you just have to admit it and, and pivot. Right. Um, and that was tough. I'm, I don't, you know, I'm, did you do it all four years? So or I did do it all four years, you did.
1: but I didn't, um, like I, by no means was I on like the A really right, team Right, 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 yeah. right.
0: So I, you know, it was hard to mm-hmm. quit because it was something I had done since I was in fifth, sixth grade right, and, yeah. and was sort of my identity in a mm-hmm. lot of ways at Penn. Yeah. Um, you know, the athletes all kind Penn of stick together. together yeah. and, and so it was, so that was sort of difficult, right. but I just felt like. You have to be real. Let's get real. You yeah. I mean, like, wait a minute. Definitely. You're, you're gonna be a professional field hockey player. You need now that you're in your you know, midway through your junior year, you really need to figure out what what are you gonna mm. do when you graduate. Um so that was a big lesson in sure, that you yeah. just you gotta be realistic. And yeah. I suppose if and I think this this probably happens for a lot of people in my industry who, who sort of get stuck in say their second mm-hmm. market and okay. like the timing's just not, you know, if they want to go to a big market, like say Philadelphia, okay. time is just not working out or, or, you know, just, it, it's not happening. A lot of people end up leaving the industry because sure, it's yeah. a lot to sacrifice. The hours yeah. being away from where you want to live. Right. You know, if you want to be living, you know, close to your family or in a bigger city, um, So I don't know, I suppose if things hadn't worked out, you know, I might've realized it was time to give up sort of on the stream, but, um, fortunately and thankfully it, it, you know, it it did work out. Yeah. And I, and again, I think a lot of it's timing, a lot of it's luck. I think Chris becoming, you know, invested in sort of like fostering a really, a professional relationship and, and kind of helping me come up you know, through definitely, the ranks yeah. was a big deal. Right. Um, and, and I think that's for a lot of people. You need mentors mm-hmm. and people who are going to, you know, sort of guide you. Yeah, for sure. And take an interest in you and your work. Yeah, definitely. So,
1: and then, um, what awards have you won too?
0: Um,
1: so. Cause I know you're being humble. So I know you've, uh, you know, you've had a lot um, of awards.
0: So I, I have won four Emmys in this, in this market. So okay. it's, you know, the, um, uh, it, it it's we're the Mid Atlantic region, okay. and um, so you know, like the Northeast, mm-hmm. and I've won I've won awards in Florida. I think you know, like an a, you know AP awards okay. and that kind of thing. So yeah, yeah cool. So, yeah. But one question I did have
1: for you is for people that might have a passion. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you talked to the Notre Dame seniors mm-hmm. about this. Um, what advice would you give to them to go after it? Go. I feel like you definitely did it. Mm-hmm. You're the definition of that.
0: Yeah. Thanks. I hope. I mean, it was yeah. something that I, when I realized this is what I want to do, I was like, I'm doing this and I'm going to come back to Philadelphia and I'm going to work here because okay. this is what I want to do with my life. But I suppose for advice, and I think I, this is in part what I learned from field hockey and just, you know, from other experiences, it's like mm-hmm. go big or go home. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, you just, you have to take a big swing you just got to take that mm-hmm. risk. You have to take that chance. You have yeah. to put you have to put yourself out there. Mm-hmm. I felt like, and I think I learned that first with field hockey, mm-hmm. that I was, when I joined the team, even though I'd been recruited and had right. done well, like I, I really was recruited through Penn's field hockey camps. Like I had done well at the camps. You know, I certainly deserved to be there. I just became so, I think I became very intimidated, right. you know, by the upperclassmen. We were playing on turf, mm-hmm. which was brand new. You yeah. know, it was new to me. Outside of sort of the um, uh, extra tournaments and things that I, I used to do in high school, you right. know, where I got a feel for turf, but not played down and play on it every day. And yeah. I think I, I, you know, and I sort of like retreated mm-hmm. and just almost sort of wanted to be on the team and like not seen. Do you know what I mean? Like, right. don't pick me, don't call on me, don't, yeah. you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, And I think that that was to my detriment as mm-hmm. opposed to just like putting it out there. Mm-hmm. You know, it's okay to make a mistake. Yeah. You might as well do it because right. you're not. You're never really gonna know your full potential. Exactly. And I think that's the same thing in terms of what you what you wanna do in life. I mean, you have to be realistic. Mm. You know, what is it that you wanna be? Um, but I think you have to figure out, and this is what I did do, figure out how okay, this is what I want. It's gonna be difficult to get there, but mm. how do I what's the strategy? What's the the roadmap to get there? Right. And you gotta figure out what that roadmap is. Exactly. I and mean, I knew I knew what all the, you know, I knew how it worked. You go to a small market, you go to a mid-sized market, you try to move quickly. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, I was, when I got my first job in Grand Junction, I might've been a month in there and was already thinking about Mm -hmm. what the next step was. Where do I want to target next? Where would I like to work next? What's a good um, mid-sized market? And I think, uh, you know, and then I think having that experience with field hockey of just sort of like not putting myself out there Mm -hmm. when I'm for... For my work, which was brand new, which right. was intimidating on a number yeah. of levels, it's like just go for it. Just go, just for, go it. for it. Um, because even if you fail or make a mistake, at least you you put yourself out mm-hmm. there. You know, definitely. Yeah. So I I don't know. I feel like it's like go go big or go okay. home. I love that, and
1: I actually can relate with Pen Track. Because I think I was the same way. I was sort of nervous and intimidated sure. and, like, you know, juggling schoolwork yeah. and everything. Yeah, well, that, right. Yeah. And tra- time I would get to be... so nervous before me. It's like mm-hmm. if we were at whatever school, like Harvard or whatever, and sure. I just totally, like, mm-hmm. I didn't, like, want anything to do with it. Right. So now, yeah. at, like, age 30, I'm faster than I was at Oh, my 22. gosh. I embarrassing. Very, that's crazy. Yeah. Well, wow. Because there's so much more... Um, like, confidence. Yes. Yeah. And I have the same mentality. Just go and do it. It's not yes. gonna. It's going to hurt for a little bit, but then yes. it will be fine. Yes. Yeah. That's
0: interesting. So, yeah. We should tell your listeners, we love Penn totally. Athletics. No, like, yeah. I <laughs> wish I gave it. I wish I had <laughs> right. more.
1: Like, yeah. believe yeah. no, myself. We more. love Penn Athletics. There's yeah. nothing
0: wrong with Penn Athletics. It's, you know, it's just, it's, I mean, I think every student athlete comes. Right. You know, you're either... You either succeed or, I mean, somebody's somebody's riding the bench. Somebody's not getting all the mm. playing time and, you know, that sort of life. Right, so. yeah. Like, I just did the broad street run and I was like, how did I, like, I definitely faster than you, I was. What did
1: you do in the broad street run? Um, One Oh, wow. That's yeah, incredible. but that's I was like, what the heck? That's incredible. But I almost just didn't care. I right. was like, just went out. Right. I wish I had that mentality. Right, College, right. Like, of not being caring.
0: Comf- right, of being confident. Yeah, yeah, right. And that, and exactly. just... And focusing on yourself yeah. and I'm going to do this. Exactly. So,
1: um, but quick rapid fire questions. Yeah. Okay. So, um, what advice would you give to your 30 year old self? Cause I'm 30. So I always selfishly like to ask And these question. are quick,
0: right? Yeah. Um. They give me longer time. Yeah. Um, that's a problem <laughs> No, you're fine. Uh, um, advice to your 30 year old, to my 30 year old self? Yes. Or any 30 year old. Any 30 year old. So. Um. You're not done yet. Okay. You've worked probably worked very hard in your 20s. Mm-hmm. You're not done yet. Or if you've taken a couple twists and turns in your 20s, you still have time. Mm-hmm. You know, I okay. think people, I think, I mean, I really sort of pushed it in my 20s in terms of, of my professional career. Mm-hmm. And I didn't get married until uh, it'll be three years ago. Okay. Um, so when I was, you know, 31 turning 32. Mm-hmm. Um, but... So, but it's like you get to thirty, and you think, yeah, yeah I'm good. No, yeah, there's there's still more to do. Still to do. There's right. st- you know, there's th- it's a long we hope a long life and a long you know you hope a long career, a yeah. long, long time in the workforce. Keep going, you're not done. Okay. And I think for people who you know, some people it takes a little time to figure mm-hmm. out what they want to do. Um, I mean, I remember in law school there were some non traditional students who were there full time, mm-hmm. you know, who were might have been forty or right. in their late thirties and. Figured out finally, this is what I want to, this is what I want to do with the rest of my life. Um, that's okay too. Yeah. You know? If, if you, have if you think you're done at 30, you, you still have time. You okay. still have more to go. I like that. Yeah. And if you, if you're just finding yourself and mm-hmm. finding your professional self at 30, you've got time. you got time. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: I like that. Um, so do you have any daily routines that help you conquer the day? And I know they might be super mm-hmm. early. <laughs> um,
0: understand- during the week I work, a normal nine to Wednesday, Thursday Friday. So it's really, it's two days that I'm, I'm early, early, unless I'm filling in say for the morning show and then that's really early. Um, you know what I, and you may be this way too, Mm. haven't been an athlete for all of your life. I mean, I got to work out. Mm. I have to, I think it's, and I enjoy running. It's, it's, it's a time to clear my mind Mm. and a time to, Literally sweat it out, sweat exactly, out frustration, yeah. sweat out right. resentment, sweat just sweat it out. Mm-hmm. So for me, it's working out. Obviously, okay. there are times during the year when I'm a little better about it. Than yeah, other, yeah, than no, for sure, yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah. So I, I th- to me, I it's working out and being active is a huge part. I, I, it's just I think um, so important for your mental health. Mm-hmm.
1: I love that. Um, and then, if you could give one book to every
0: person. What would it be? So I, uh, I've been reading this recently and it was a book that wasn't really assigned in law school, but, um, that's sort of how it came across my desk. I think it was sort of like on the preferred reading before you go to law school, sort of like something you that you might enjoy that okay. would be helpful, but I don't think I really read it. I think okay. I skimmed through yeah, it right yeah. before, right before like the first week in law school. So right. I, I have reread it since. Okay. Um, and it's called Gideon's Trumpet. Okay. It's a very good book. It's it is not. It, it certainly is geared toward, um, I suppose, the legal community, but n- not necessarily. It, it, it's about one man's fight to, um, to, to, to have the right of counsel, mm-hmm. uh, no matter what your income is. Okay. And it was a man who was convicted and and made and and filed this motion and made this complaint that got all the way up to the Supreme wow. Court. From prison, yeah. So it's it's a, the story is very good. Um, it's an old story. I mean, this okay. is from the '60s, but it's very well written. It's mm-hmm. a very good book. It's not that dense, and okay. it's it's, uh, it's very interesting. It's about your it's about your right to counsel, right. So. I'll include it in the show notes, too, so people yeah. can find it. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and then any last departing
0: words and where people can find you? Um, obviously, feel, you know, like everything on social media, okay. feel free to just follow me on social media. I'm uh, at rosemary.connors, D-O-N-N-O-R-S for Instagram. Okay. I'm at rosemaryconnors for Twitter, and I think, like, at rosemary.connors, something okay. for Facebook. Facebook. Well, yeah. It's all pretty similar. Okay. Um, there are... Yeah. There actually are a few. There is one other for sure, Rosemary Connors in the Philadelphia area. Oh wow! You know, worked at Penn when I was there. Yeah, and so we would kind of get each other's about. emails. Yeah. Um, and uh, she's now, I believe, at Temple. She works at Temple, but okay. she'd been at Penn at the time, so like she would get, uh, she would get like my sorority emails. Oh, like, that's oh, so There's funny. a mixer <laughs> this Friday. All right. <laughs> she forwarded back to me like, I think this is for, for you. you. Yeah,
1: that's hilarious. <laughs> um,
0: but yeah, so I'm any you'll find me okay it's right, perfect yeah. well thanks yeah. rosemary you oh so much thank fun. you so much steph.
1: yeah i really appreciate it hi everybody thank you so very much for taking the time to listen to high five success stories to learn more about the podcast feel free to follow me on instagram my handle is at high five success or on facebook you can like high five success stories with steph hayden Or I'm also on Twitter. My handle is at High5Hayden. And lastly, you can subscribe to the newsletter on my website, www.stephayden.com. And if you get a second, I would really appreciate it if you could rate the podcast on iTunes. Thanks so much.